Hi, I'm Larry Castle here with Ken Brown for episode 99 of That's a Good Question. What has That's a Good Question accomplished? podcast is nearing a milestone that's going to coincide with an important change that we'll be making Mm -hmm. to the podcast. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this now for over two years, and uh, with some short breaks on holidays and on a few other occasions, we've been pretty consistent over two years, and so that brings us to to today, which is our 99th episode. I know. It's hard to believe. (laughs) It doesn't feel like it's been that many, but... Um, for those of you watching, it may feel like 200. <laughs> we, we've decided that with next week's 100th episode, we're tossing around different ideas, mm-hmm. you know, live call-in show. Yeah, right. we, we don't have the technical chops to right. pull that off. Uh, we thought it's a good time to make an important change in all seriousness that we've been talking about for a while, yeah. and that is to change the frequency of our mm. episode release schedule. So mm. we'll go from a weekly release schedule to a monthly release schedule, mm. and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And uh, it's partly because we think the purpose for which we started right. the podcast has been accomplished. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to review a bit of what we've been able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But next week will be our last weekly episode. Mm. And so for that, we're going to ask you, and I'll remind you at the end, but we're looking for mm-hmm. some questions to go through, kind of rapid fire, yes. more than we normally right. handle. We usually focus on one or two. Right. And uh, we'll go through as many of those as we can next week. So I'll, I'll tell you about how to get those to us at the end of this episode. And it may be, as time goes on, we'll return to yeah. a weekly schedule, or more than likely, we'll have a monthly release schedule, and then as needs arise, yes. we'll yes. interject an yes. episode. Yes. Um, so uh, the goal will be the second Saturday of every month yeah. to release a new episode. All right, so in order to evaluate what we think we've been able to accomplish, mm. it's going to require that we re- reminisce a little bit about what was going on when well, we began. to reminisce about 2020? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, exactly. <laughs> what was going on in 2020 when we began this? Yeah. And what was it we were trying to address for which we thought a podcast would be a good method of communication? Mm. So why don't you uh, start us off then, remind everyone what was going on back then and why we thought that's a good question would address it. Well, thankfully, uh, 2020 is somewhat in the rearview mirror, but we're still dealing with lingering effects from it Mm -hmm. uh, politically and even medically with regard to the way people see the health administration of the federal government and how they performed or lack of performance during that time. Mm-hmm. It was a, just a difficult year for, for everybody. It was that combustible combination of politics in the presidential election mm-hmm. that year and then the beginnings of a pandemic. And those two intermingled in really a very unhelpful ways a, a lot of times. And so we saw that we needed to find vehicles of communication to counter some of what we saw as harmful, especially since during the pandemic, we weren't meeting regularly. Mm -hmm. And so that form of gathering every week needed some kind of a substitute, even if it was just going to be a temporary substitute. Yeah, I recall uh, the two of us talking the first week of March 
that year and you said something like you know this covid thing may really be a big deal <laughs> I, I i think we were both seeing news stories uh-huh. in our news feeds yeah, yeah. and we we're just kind of chatting our, our doors yes. have a joining or our offices have a joining door and yes. we're just kind of standing at the door yes. chatting you think this is going to be big yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you said yeah i think this might be serious right and basically the following week the That's health right. officials made the announcement about it urging uh, that everyone take 15 days to flatten mm-hmm. the curve. And mm-hmm. I just triggered some people by <laughs> saying that phrase. Uh, some people on either side, some people, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. For sure. Uh, so with pretty much, they cl- decided to close everything yes. down. Yes. And it was kind of jarring to me. Oh, I remember sure. uh, oh. walking through this building, uh-huh. in fact, and a place that was pretty much on every day had people oh, yeah. coming and going, and it was just nothing going on. Yeah. And uh, then on Sundays... And then if you got out, if you walked in your neighborhood if you if you drove your car during those first few weeks yeah it was just desolate and yeah. you know just uh, unprecedented I, I don't want to um, uh, minimize either uh, but it was reminiscent for me having lived through 9-11 and no planes flying yeah, over yeah it was so dramatic of a change yes. is, is what I'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. True. so and then that stretched into three weeks and then as we all know into yeah. uh, what seemed like ages right right And with uh, each pronouncement by the government, federal government and the various states and how the states were each handling it differently, Mm -hmm. and then you mix that with the politics, and so is it a red state, is it a blue state, and, you know, is this going to favor one candidate over the other in November? So now you've got this really toxic mix of politics and what should be focused on on health, but Mm -hmm. uh, politics came into it too much. And so with each of these pronouncements, both at the federal and various state levels, there was immediate reaction. Some of that reaction was very alarming and partly related to the politics of of that year. I mean, we were only days into it when I began to hear from folks that the pandemic was being overblown. And that it was really nothing more than the flu. You may, you may mm-hmm. remember that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here I am having to now try to educate myself on this, not just for myself, but on behalf of our leadership team and our, and our congregation. Mm-hmm. So I start looking up, well, how, you know, how many deaths are there per year for the, the flu? And I, the number is still in my mind. That it was 38,000 a year over the last ten, dozen or so years. And in the first uh, couple of months, we had, you know, sixty thousand deaths uh, due to due to COVID mm-hmm. in March and April of 2020. So this was clearly more than than the flu. But you had a lot of people who were hearing that. I soon learned that this it's the flu people was the opinion of the now late Rush Limbaugh, mm. and of course he held great sway for many. In the conservative political environment that is our ideological home, mm-hmm. which also means then for many in our congregation, mm-hmm. uh, and you know they say that was our ideological home at least before the political party that used to represent it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know took a very very far right turn over the last few years. Uh, so st- I'm still personally conservative. You're still personally conservative. But there are a lot of people like us who are wondering when there's going to be a new I voted in the primary. I, did, I just voted I did in the primary well. and yes. voted as a conservative. Yes, same. <laughs> uh, my guy got 4% of the vote. But <laughs> Sounds like we voted for the same guy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're hoping for a new conservative party to arise at some point. But what that fusion, though, that mixture of politics and science 
uh, or depending on who you talk to in your perspective, pseudoscience, mm-hmm. meant was that your view of how the p- pandemic should be treated was not only a statement about health or in the church context, a statement about what you thought was the best way to, to model and to minister Christ in an unprecedented situation. Rather, instead of all that, it represented where you stood politically. Some looked at it wondering, are you going to be a dupe (laughs) of the deep state? Are you going to allow the so-called experts to dictate what you do, setting the stage for their larger designs for control of our freedoms, including religious freedom? I mean, I had people sending to me right away, right away, making sure that I knew as the pastor what's really going on here. And this is a setup for martial law. I'm glad people do that because, I mean, we all know you're a slouch when it comes to keeping up with the (laughs) news. I mean, you hate anything to do with politics. (laughs) Last person who's going to be in the know is you. Please please inform me. In fact, how about this, though? Every time anyone feels the urge to inform me, send those to Pastor Larry Castle. (laughs) (laughs) It would actually be more fitting for me because I could use a hand every now and then. So I... We're, we're laughing here, and I don't want to make light. People are trying to be helpful, yeah. really. Yeah. But we've had a lot to say intentionally about where you go to find that help. That's right. And really, it is, though. It is helpful. Uh, certainly, the persons who do that are, are, think it's being helpful. Yeah. It is a form of lobbying for your position. Mm-hmm. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to influence decision makers, you know, within, in this case, within the church. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong about it, certainly nothing sinful about it. Mm-hmm. But for the, on the, being on the receiving end of it, it's mm-hmm. very daunting. Well, and I, uh, I want to add to that because someone recently said something to me mm-hmm. related to this. Mm-hmm. And I know that in some cases, especially early on, mm-hmm. It's folks who just really care, and they're they're taken in by some of these things, mm-hmm. and it's concerning, and they yeah. just want to make sure that... So, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to make fun of a person yeah, yeah. Uh, who would do this, but some of these sources really, in time as we look back, they're really uh, ridicule-worthy. And that's what we had to mm-hmm. deal with, yeah. for sure. So, and I'm, and I'm not exaggerating when I say immediately. Immediately, I began getting communications by text, by email, by phone, and seeing what some were saying on social media as well. And it was clear that the pandemic was going to be not just a problem in itself as a health issue, but it was going to be a hot-button issue with political overtones mm-hmm. and spiritual overtones, too. How you reacted to it would demonstrate in the minds of some whether you had godly wisdom or not. And for some, the only way to demonstrate that godly wisdom was to see the government's nefarious designs Mm. and to stand up to those. And we saw that. We saw that across the country. We saw that in churches and in in other places. And then if you don't, then it's because you don't have the the guts Mm. to Mm -hmm. take a stand. Or worse, you know, you might be part of the deep state yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was part of those early discussions with you, and, and we included um, our full leadership team mm-hmm. in agreeing on the direction that the church should take. We right. we talked about make sure all the all of you know our perspectives were taken into account. Right. Um, but you had to take the leadership role for this as our senior pastor, and so it could have been something that really took a personal toll on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how did you fare personally through the last <laughs> two years? Well, I'm very, very, very thankful to say I've been just fine in God's grace, and it's only a matter of God's grace. 
And God's grace um, displayed in no small part because we have an excellent, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. leadership team mm-hmm. who understood that we needed to take the long view on this and not to simply react to the political provocations of a very volatile environment. And and I, I'm going to say in a little a little bit later that I know of churches, I know of pastors personally who are not fine through mm-hmm. all of this. And part of the reason is they were trying to placate everybody. And if you try to placate everybody in this in this ever-moving, fast environment, and you haven't agreed as leadership in the church, how are we going to do this? How are we going to handle this? Because we're all being inundated, mm-hmm. and everybody's got their own their own views on, on these things. And if you fail to do that, you are just going to get bombarded, and you're going to try to make everybody happy. And guess who you make happy when you try mm-hmm. to make everybody, Nobody. right? Yeah. So we all had our own views uh, as a leadership team, and we all didn't agree on the severity of the pandemic or even always what should be done. But we always, this is what the blessing of our leadership team is, we always agree on this. Whatever we do has to be for the best interests of our flock, has to be for the best interests of the congregation. And we cannot make good decisions if we're simply reacting to the passions of the moment. Mm. And the passions were really, really high. Everybody had an opinion. To, to share about what we should do in terms of cooperating with the government, defying the government, distancing, not distancing, masking, not masking. And many shared those opinions, like, mm-hmm. like I said. I was going to interject Please. there. That, that is a good example, a good model. I think the way the leadership team yes. interacted on these, when there's not 100% agreement Absolutely. on everything, that when you share a common goal, you can work through those exactly differences. Right. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, amen. But, and, and this is the other reason that I'm fine. Uh, there's our leadership team, and thank the Lord for that. But namely, overall, overwhelmingly, our congregation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this, the, the, the audience for this podcast is a bit wider than our congregation, but it's primarily, it started for, and it's primarily for the benefit of our congregation. And overall, overwhelmingly, our congregation performed admirably. Yeah, absolutely. In what could have been a very divisive situation. Not all, of course, performed you know, as well as others, but almost all. Yeah. You know, the squeaky wheels always get the attention. Um, but that's just you know, a handful of people who go on social media, and folks thinks then think that you perhaps have a, have a big problem. But we did not, and thank the Lord, we do not. And I know I speak for you, and I know I speak for the entire leadership team, when I say how thankful we are for the maturity of our congregation that showed up big time during COVID. Yeah, absolutely. They, there were uh, there were a couple conversations that I saw between folks that you know became heated, but in in the end, overwhelmingly, yes. like you said, yeah. people uh, disagreed agreeably, yeah. and the the spirit of uh, deference yes. was That's very true. visible. Yep. So, so talk a little bit about um, what we asked the congregation to do and how their cooperation with us helped to keep unity and our leaders' sanity, as you pointed to, <laughs> right. uh, and what role this podcast played in all that. Well, you know, because we were all getting advice uh, from folks who were each hearing disparate voices telling them whether the virus was really serious, whether the measures the government was taking were helping or hurting, mm-hmm. and even whether the government was using this to take away our freedoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I said a bit ago, I, I had people saying they were they were certain that this was a prelude to martial law mm-hmm. uh, that was going to happen, especially in Michigan. Um, 
uh, because remember, Michigan got the reputation as being a gulag. Yeah, people uh, who weren't here, people weren't here, heard that it was way worse. Than oh yeah, <laughs> on on Fox News primarily, yeah. Yeah. and 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 Governor Whitmer uh, really got quite a reputation, uh, bad reputation among conservatives and you know evangelical christians i had friends from arizona contacting me checking to make sure i was okay mm-hmm. are you guys all right you know so you know and and let me just stop and say we thankfully we can kind of chuckle at that because the reality was quite different it was mm-hmm. hard on everybody yeah you know, it was COVID especially was people whose businesses were shut down and impacted but and, but in, in terms of church, mm-hmm. in every one of, as we pointed out a number of times, in every one of the executive orders mm-hmm. saying we're going to shut down for another two weeks or whatever it was, in every single one of them, mm-hmm. houses of worship were exempted from being prosecuted yeah. or fined. And that that always was highlighted in my mind because that's what we're talking about here. When you say friends were worried about you, you yes. mean how's it going at church? Yes, right. Uh, we're not trying to minimize the impact that closure oh, shutdowns lots, had on oh, businesses, and, and, uh, but. Comparing that, that's what stands out in my mind is so many people were adversely affected by this, and yet we were given, you know, yeah. as much consideration, more consideration than any other sector. Yeah, exactly. No, it's very true. So because of all of that, because you had all of those different uh, ideas and people were getting all sorts of different information, we had to agree, uh, we, the leadership team, had to agree on centralized information. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to be the Wild West. And every man for himself, and you know, and then you're you're locked into what I'm convinced. Many of my friends in ministry found themselves caught in. They were getting you know communications from everybody. They're trying to juggle all of that, and you simply are going to have to make a decision. This is where we're going to get the information. It's important to remind ourselves. It doesn't mean that those people that we chose to get the information from were always right. Mm-hmm. That we agreed with those people all the time. That they communicated in a helpful way. But it meant it was centralized. We all understood where we were getting it, and so we didn't have to juggle it from all sorts of sources. I, re- I mean, I, do you remember people were up in arms about in here in Michigan liquor stores being open? Yeah. But churches being closed, which then came out to be, oh, liquor stores are essential, mm-hmm. and churches are are not. Or word choice there, and the that, that's <laughs> what they're doing. Part, yeah, yeah, that we're going to have essential businesses open, but you know these liquor stores also sold food, mm-hmm. and food was essential. But that's the way it that's the way it came out. Yeah. And there was the inability to buy garden seeds, and mm-hmm. that created an uproar as, as well. So we had to ask the congregation to understand our need to get information from those who were authorized to provide it. Now, that meant government bureaucrats, as I've said, which meant bungling and confusion, sometimes Mm -hmm. just foolishness that we had to put up with, but we're putting up with that for this larger good. Unity because we have this centralized information system. And our congregation, by and large, went along with that. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that was the most crucial and helpful decision that that we made, and the most supportive and important decision the congregation made. Now you mm-hmm. contrast that, and what happened with us. And can can I uh, maybe bring out a nuance in what you're saying there? Yeah. We're not saying that we expected everybody in our congregation to just have this hive think, and everybody thought the exact same thing about everything because we went to one source. We're saying when yeah. it came to making decisions about how will we operate. Will we have events publicly? If we do, what kind of guidelines will we observe? Yes. That's where we exactly. got centralized mm-hmm. information for making those decisions that affected <clears throat> the group, our church as a whole. You got it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yep. yep, that's exactly it. So contrast that 
with what happened with many other churches. Mm-hmm. I mean, we lost a few people, but we gained more. Mm-hmm. And I know of churches personally who closed. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a friend who I graduated high school with, hadn't heard from him since we graduated. I didn't know what became of him. Turns out he went to Bible college, he became a pastor, he met a gal at Bible college who's from Colorado. He moved out to Colorado, became a pastor. Hmm. His church closed during wow. COVID, and it closed because of disagreement about how to how to handle things. I know of four pastors right now who are on sabbatical due to strain from 2020 and 2021. Hmm. Now, I know more, more than four pastors who are on sabbatical. Not all of them are for that reason. Some are just, it came at a good time for them to have a rest after so many years. But I know of four personally who are on sabbatical, and it's because of that, because hmm. of the toll that it took. I don't need a sabbatical due to COVID. I don't need a sabbatical due to the election. And that's due in large part to our leadership team and our mature congregation. And I am very thankful for both. Yeah, I had my thanks to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots to be grateful for in that. Mm-hmm. So, so we had to address sources of information for the pandemic and also sources of information for the politics that were going on at the right. same time. Right. And that kind of had a Wild West feel to yeah, it. it and that's partly where the podcast exactly. came, podcast exactly. came in. We, right? You know, here we are now. We're not meeting every week. It's weird for everybody. Nobody likes it. What are we going to do? And then to add to it, you know, that would be hard in normal circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. But then add to it, well, then what, what's everybody doing? Everybody is listening to stuff. Yeah. And they're, and then they're, informing each other and they're going on social media and then they're informing us. It's hard enough when you have two or three meetings a week where you talk to people to combat all that. Yes. Then you go down to zero meetings a week. (laughs) And then it's all still, you know, coming in. So we needed ways to communicate to the congregation. Now we needed that whether there was a political firestorm or not, Mm -hmm. but add to it that you had all of this kind of mayhem, informational mayhem going on. And so we needed a forum all the fact, more so. we had initially we have uh, in our sunday morning we have our worship service first for those of you who are watching but don't attend our church and then we have a sunday school hour the next hour which for our adults we use for outreach and so we had initially just kind of translated that to an online temporarily online format yeah and then we saw the need you know for right. something like this and thought well there's the opportunity yes that second hour there could be go. used for that and there was there was misinformation and there was disinformation that we were all being inundated with politically. Yeah. And you say misinformation and disinformation. I think those terms mm. tend to get used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you can you make sure everybody knows yeah. what the difference is? So misinformation is false information. Disinformation is intentionally mm. <laughs> false information. They're both false. Misinformation is they got their facts they wrong. Got it wrong. Disinformation is they're plotting to you've mislead got, you. You got people misleading you, mm-hmm. you know. The airwaves were and are filled with both. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, you know, some of you may be nodding. I'm going, oh, yeah, you know, the liberal, you know, the mainstream media, they're disinforming uh, on purpose all the time. And there's plenty of that that goes on, to be sure. Uh, you know, the mainstream media has gotten its bad reputation well earned, you mm-hmm. know, for good reasons mm-hmm. a lot of times. But I'm not talking primarily about that because I don't care that much about that because I know most of our people don't don't mm-hmm. get most of their news from that. The disinformation I'm concerned about is more the stuff that, that we get. You know, remember, remember years ago. I, by the way, I, I think it's I, I get the convention, but I think it's odd that we've referred to mainstream media mm-hmm. 
And then there's the conservative media, mm. which about half the country watches faithfully, almost religiously now. Mm. Seems like mainstream is just kind of a misnomer. <laughs> yes, because it has shifted. Because yeah, the, yeah. oh, you know. I we, mean, it made sense back when I was in college. I get where that comes from. Well, you know, and I've said on here for these last two years a number of times that we think this is the worst. We've got this conservative media telling us how much we need to fear everything, mm-hmm. when in fact, so many things are aligned in our favor more than they ever have been in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of bad, really bad stuff going on in the culture. I, of course, I am not oblivious to any of that. But when you think about how much media you, you have available mm-hmm. uh, from a conservative standpoint, yeah. you didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. When I started college, you had none of that, yeah. nowhere. It's a lot harder to uh, kind of manipulate people, though, if you're just kind of inspirational, focusing on the good things that we were working on and (laughs) versus instilling fear. You can kind of move around and push groups. And I want to remind us of that before we before we sign off today. So, you know, this disinformation that I'm most concerned about is not the stuff we're not listening to. Why would I be concerned about that? It's the stuff we're listening to. And that is I mean, I remember years ago we, we had a brother in the church who was uh, very concerned. He, he, was, he was an African-American brother. And it was after, I think, uh, Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. was, was, mm-hmm. was killed, and he sent a text to you, me, and maybe seven or eight other mm-hmm. guys in the church. And he just said, pray, you know, pray for me. I'm really having a hard time with this. Well, you, you know, I thought, wow, he, he's seeing this in ways that, and experiencing this in ways that we're not. And I wrote to him and I said, would it help you? You sent this to about a dozen of us. Would it help if we got together and, and just talked about it? And he said, I think so. And we did, if you, mm-hmm. if you remember. Yeah. And as he was talking about how he was seeing this, I was hearing some conspiratorial stuff going on there. And I, and I said to him, hey, tell me. Where do you where do you get your information? And he thought for just a second. And he said, eh, mostly from RT. RT, that's Russia Today. Hmm. <laughs> that's a cable. That's a cable show. And you got people doing that. And well, what is Russia trying to do? I, I was going to say I'm really a skeptical. Red flag pops up right away with just the name. I mean, I know, don't, don't judge a book by its cover. You but, would think, yeah. But what's Russia trying to do? Does Russia have good designs for us? I mean, to, to have some people talk, including in conservative circles now, which to my amazement, yeah, Russia's our our friend. Putin's our friend. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that quite happened. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand partly what's going on. He is, believe it or not, he's considered Putin is considered an upholding. Christendom. He's upholding because he's very anti-gay, uh, mm-hmm. and they have very anti-gay laws and, and so on. So this guy is kind of a hero for for us supposedly. So I don't think Russia has good designs for our country. I think it's to their advantage to sow discord, mm-hmm. and that's what they do through RT. That's what they did in the 2016 election. That's a fact. It's just a fact that they interfered. You had 12 people who were indicted in Russia for what they did through via Facebook primarily to try to seed stories that would hmm. that would sow discord and move toward one particular candidate and against the other. So that's disinformation. That's okay. on purpose. Okay. Yeah. Then you got a guy like Steve Bannon who says, look, we just throw stuff against the wall. We just flood the zone with, and then he uses an unsavory word, but just flood the zone. With mm-hmm. this, with the mm-hmm. stuff, and put it out there. You got Alex Jones and Infowars. No, knowing that what we hear frequently, what I've said is, 
there's so much information out there. How do you sort through it all? Exactly. So just so put just it out there. Throw just it throw out there. It out there. Yeah. Exactly. And people just get so confused. I've heard that from many of our listeners. I just get so confused. I just kind of throw up my hands. Who are you mm-hmm. to believe? Mm-hmm. This has helped some of those people. They have they have told me, and I'm thankful for that. But then you get guys like Alex Jones and Infowars, mm-hmm. who was in the news just uh, you know, this yeah. week. Some, on some trial. good news. <laughs> good news that he's getting his comeuppance on some of his just heinous disinformation. Well, that's intentionally false information. And then you get misinformation. That's getting the facts wrong and drawing false conclusions. The so-called stolen election is an example of that. Would you consider, so like jumping to conclusions uh, under misinformation, uh-huh. It's there's still culpability there in, yes, in many cases because you, you shouldn't rush to judgment. That's correct. Out. I yeah. totally would. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the so-called stolen election is an example of just getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. And we've tried to emphasize on this podcast a number of times the difference between evidence and proof. Mm-hmm. You know that literally everything is evidence of something. something yeah. Every fact is evidence of something. What's it prove? You have to put it together. You have to prove that it amounts to something. And nobody's been able to do that to this day. So having a way to address the congregation. And answering biblical and spiritual questions we thought might be of interest. Mm-hmm. And those that were submitted by our listeners, but also having episodes that counteract this misinformation and disinformation, including in the political realm, was something that we saw a need to do. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I have to commend our congregation, as many have told me, that they have rethought their sources of information based on our podcast and also the blog that, that we mm-hmm. started. That took some real maturity. Because what we were saying uh, about you know Fox News, for example, was counter to what almost everyone in our congregation thought. Yeah, I, I'll I'll confess, I uh, long ago was an avid viewer of Fox News. I haven't had cable cable television in a long time, so it's partly because of that, but partly just because I realized politics was very much a distraction yeah. Yeah. in ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, my my priority in my youth was often to persuade people of my political viewpoints, and I would find that that would really interfere with Mm. bigger questions that I should be asking people God brings into my sphere of influence. So wasn't as much into that as all of this came about, but, you know, and so I didn't have as strong of a view, understanding of the uh, the problems with a network like Fox and some of these others that have popped up. But, right. uh, man, this has really shined a light on things I wasn't as concerned about as I should have been mm. with those those mm. channels. So You know, I just want to say something with that, that I do think in God's good providence, that's another thing that helped us, was you know just having this interest that you've talked about. I, you know, I've had this interest in this stuff over the years. But it's mm-hmm. just been, you know, everybody's got their hobbies and that kind of thing. In terms of church... It didn't matter much until our congregation started getting inundated yeah. with this kind of things. But I think that background did help us mm-hmm. because many of my friends, I think part of the reason they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to answer the objections because they didn't know the machinations of our our government and the mm-hmm. and and how things and how things work. And and knowing that helps you to not get as alarmed. Because you know how the pendulum swings. Yeah. You've seen the you know the broad sweep of how the parties uh, interact and how they use each other and all of that. And so you don't get quite as alarmed, and you're able then to bring that to to the fore. I think that I think that helped. Yeah, yeah. And you so you were talking about you know people. Um, some folks showing maturity. Yeah. I mean, many folks showing Absolutely. maturity and how they took what you you know you and I have said. Right. What you've, 
what you've uh, been, what we tried to do with the podcast, but that doesn't mean that uh-huh. the podcast has achieved a unanimity of this thought among Yeah, it's everyone. true. But I think that just further commends the congregation's mm-hmm. maturity, that we're not unanimous in what we believe about what should have been done with the pandemic or all that happened with the election. But I'm convinced that we now have higher standards for our claims, the things we claim to be true. We have higher standards before we draw those conclusions than we did at the beginning. Fewer people, I'm convinced of this, fewer people today mm-hmm. in our congregation just forward stuff. Right. I'm convinced that uh, people may think some weird things happened in the election, which is fine, but now they say it that way. They say, you know what, there's just some stuff there that was really weird. You know, rather than drawing conclusions without without proof, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine to just say, man, I do, what is up with that, you mm-hmm. know, and that's fine. But then they don't say, hey, the thing was stolen without being able to prove it. I strongly believe that our sources, uh, that, that our focus on sources of information and how you evaluate those sources has put us in a better position than we were in 2020 mm-hmm. today and in a better position than many of our, our sister churches, unfortunately, who just tried to hang on, get through it, rather than just take it on and try to correct what was manifestly wrong. Yeah, yeah. So... Problem solved. <laughs> you know, we put all that behind us, right? It's good to go. Boy, don't I wish. Don't we wish, <laughs> yeah. But we need to remember, and here's why it's not. Mm-hmm. Because we need to remember that disinformation is a business model. Mm-hmm. And it's a tactic, a political tactic. So from the business side of it, the purveyors of information on cable, you know, in social media, they make money off of doing this. I mean, the absurd amounts of money that Alex Jones mm-hmm. made off of the lies. I mean, you talk about a guy lying. My goodness. He's made absurd amounts of money doing In that. case you don't watch the headlines uh, in court, you, I mean, this is just major, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but expose, undeniable. I mean, the, the, the video of him on the stand when it was revealed to him how he was caught in his yes, lies. yes is you almost feel, I mean, I don't feel bad for the guy, but you almost almost do. do. You almost do as just a human. He looks like he's going to swallow his tongue. Yes, yes. And they found that even though he was saying, look, I'm bankrupt, I can't pay any money to these people that I defamed, Uh, I I don't have any money or very little money, Uh, they showed, proved, documented, this guy would make up to $800,000 in a day, in a day selling merchandise, all this kind of stuff. This guy, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. So disinformation is a business model. Mm -hmm. It's also a political tactic. So as 2024 heats up, what we, let let me just predict, I don't have to go out on a limb here to say disinformation is going to heat up as well. Mm -hmm. You're going to be inundated. We are all going to be inundated again with attempts to scare us and so motivate us. Motivated by, honestly, hate for those who disagree. Mm. Fear of... Fear, Christian friend, we're going to be motivated. This is the attempt to motivate us by fear of what man can do to you. And here's what Scripture says, Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare. And boy, isn't that the truth? Hasn't it proven to be a Mm -hmm. snare? So we're going to need to keep a close eye going forward. And when we see something that needs to be responded to, then do that. That's what the Apostle Paul did. That's what his letters were. There were him responding to things that were happening in the churches that needed to be corrected. Yeah, yeah. 
So how would you summarize then what this podcast has accomplished? I truly believe that, again, focused on our congregation, our congregation chooses better, thinks better, concludes better, communicates better. (laughs) Chooses better, which is what discernment is. Mm. Discernment means to differentiate between you know, better and best, good and evil to, to discern. I think we, I think we choose better. I think that, uh, I, we think better as well because Mm -hmm. we diversify our sources. We look to original sources. That was a theme that we've kind of pounded home. Don't just go to somebody's summary of what they claim. You know, the Mueller report said, get the Mueller report and read. If you're going to comment on it, I mean, Mm -hmm. look, if you say I don't have time for 500 pages of the Mueller report, I'm good with that. I have never had a conversation (laughs) about the Mueller report with any of you because I have not read the Mueller report. Yeah, but, you know, you've got it available, right? So and and we contemplate, you know, we think before we react, Mm -hmm. I think, more now. Uh, I think we conclude better because we don't draw hasty conclusions. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, We don't make claims that aren't supported by not just evidence, but by proof. And then we communicate better because we see the wisdom of silence. Oh, boy. Mm. <laughs> of just, you know, you don't have to comment on everything. I've heard a proverb, uh, a variation on an actual biblical proverb, but <laughs> it must be an American proverb, probably Ben Franklin, <laughs> when I was younger. And that is the only successful substitute for brains is silence. <laughs> that was helpful yeah, to me yeah, in my youth is. and has yeah. served me well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think there's wisdom in just saying I don't have to comment on everything, mm-hmm. okay? And um, we also see the wisdom of reflection so that we're not posting stuff and spouting stuff whenever it just enters our minds and just sounds right to us. We're thinking about, we're thinking about the larger audience yeah. who's evaluating Christianity by evaluating Christians. So we're making sure mm. that our communication is always as Scripture says— in Colossians chapter 4, in an evangelistic context, let your communication always be full of grace, mm. seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Yeah. You know, I, we saw a great example of this in the, re, in, I think it was last week, um, and it's a different topic, so we won't, we won't go into depth. Yeah. We could handle this maybe in another episode, but someone who deals with uh, confronting some of the misinformation and, and false teachings about the King James Version of the Bible, mm-hmm. Mark Ward. Yes, yes, yes. He is the epitome of this, this gracious true. and That's loving right. to people who are not That's so to him. Yes, agreed. And I think he's always provided a good model of that yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, so, and along the way with what you're saying, uh, we were able to address dozens of biblical topics mm-hmm. in addition to these political right. topics that we're talking about, answer spiritual questions that you, our viewers, listeners have mm-hmm. submitted to us. And we hope to do more of that. Yeah. Next week in our 100th episode, <laughs> our final weekly episode, and then we're going to switch to a monthly, monthly. monthly yeah. episode. So please send us in your questions. You can yeah. get those to us by emailing them to info at cbctrenton.com. While you're at it, make sure you're subscribed to this YouTube channel and click that notification bell so you can be sure to get notifications when we release new content. And that is going to be all the more important when we go to a monthly format. Yes where we may have interspersed uh, episodes as things come up. So make sure you're subscribed, hit the notification bell, and that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. If you have a question you'd like us to consider, you can send that into our email address, info at cbctrenton.com, or text it to us at 97000.